Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Foul Critics. I'm Paul Field, standing in for Steve Norman, um, who this week is on an all-inclusive naturist camping holiday in Mykonos. Um, I believe if you follow him on Facebook, you can see some pictures there of him enjoying some games of badminton with a friend. Um, he loves tonight... that sauna. <laughs> oh, he loves it. Loves it. Tonight, I'm joined by uh, Bucks 101 radio gardening expert. Um, how are your petunias doing, Mr. <laughs> Owen Hughes? My what? Gardening? Um, yeah, fine, thanks. Cool. Looking good, uh, yeah. <laughs> and also joining <laughs> us tonight is Milton Keynes Cosplayer of the Year um, for a She-Ra <laughs> outfit at this year's Northampton Comic Book Fair, Mr Andrew Brooker. Hold on, do you mean I cosplayed <laughs> as Milton Keynes? I don't think that's a thing. No, <laughs> you, <laughs> you cosplayed as She-Ra at the Northampton Comic Book Fair, according to my notes. Yes, I fucking did, and I blew them all away. Absolutely, mm. mate. Absolutely. What would a uh, cosplay as Milton Keynes look like? Just lots of squares or round roundabouts just, just glued well, onto a big... it's just a block. dude with acne. <laughs> just lots and lots of roundabouts all uh, stuck And as well as the, the title, uh, the story I read on the web, you, you, it was an £8 book token, no doubt, no less. Yeah, man. It uh, got me like half a subscription to a, to a fishing magazine. I had to pay the other <laughs> half <myself. laughs> Welcome, guys. Um, loads to get through tonight. Lots of lots of news. We've got the quiz. But before we go on, we have to mention Mob Handed. I know mm-hmm. that... Um, Do we really, Owen really, Anthony, really have to? Yeah, yeah. Just a little bit. I know Steve and Owen watched it last week. Um, Steve, because he had to, and Owen, because I've, I have no idea, because I think I made him. Yeah, I mean, basically, you'd paid for the DVD to arrive on my doorstep, and I thought, you know what... I can't just leave it. I'm going to have to try it, especially if I'm going to put Steve through it. Um, and it was arduous. <laughs> it was torturous. Um, how did you discover it, though, Paul? I mean, how the, how did you even come across something like Mob Handed? Do you know what? I can't actually remember. You were I diving just... in a skip behind the local Oxfam who didn't want it and found well, think... it buried under a bunch of old porn VHS. Don't fucking lie to us. <laughs> I think it's we were prepping for a Giza movie special, and I think I just saw it on... Um, I think it, there's an account on Twitter that got, like, Brit Picks, and all these guys do is watch all of this stuff. Hmm. And the both the guys on there gave it, like, the lowest possible score. And I was thinking, ooh, I'm going to have to give that a go. And <laughs> when I watched it, I just could not believe how bad it was. The, the, the fact that the lead actress isn't even on the cover and people who are in it for like two minutes are, right, are front and centre mm-hmm. is just ridiculous. I mean, it's, 
it's it's just i mean we were having this conversation just before we started recording like you described it's a film that's so bad it's good yes explain yourself because (laughs) i don't think there is anything good about rob handed well it's because it's so poorly made and because the script is so bad it's so shonkily put together let alone that bloody music that that's that's playing the song the shake it song you need to put this in context the film's about pedophiles killing and raping children so to have this like really weird funky music when a girl's being chased through the woods about to be murdered it's just utterly bizarre yeah it's uh it's just like a, a load of different things cobbled together isn't it there's just, there's there's so many conflicting ideas that are going on in that film. The constant refer, you know, they refer to how that paedophiles, there's something wrong with them and they should be helped and we should be, you know, doing this, that or the other. Or should, you know, they even like highlight it with a conversation with a guy in a chat show when he's a registered sex offender, but isn't a paedophile, but is still being chased by this mob all the time. And then... The very next scene, they're shoving some guy in the back of a Mondeo and crushing it. In I mean, a tank. A, Dave Cork. In a tank. In a tank. Exactly. It's just the the most puzzling film I've watched this year. I could not get to grips with what it was trying to say. And I think it's possibly because it isn't actually trying to say anything. I love it's the just... where Dave Courtney says, when he's talking about how to deal with paedophiles, he goes, unless you've got a mate who owns a tank, get the cunt ironed out. Exactly. <laughs> Quite literally in this case, because they iron him out with a tank. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Brooker, uh, yeah, how that's... far through Mob Handed did you make it? 31 minutes. 31 minutes. What point like did you it switch on record off? as well. I paid to watch it. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, 31 <laughs> minutes through this fucking thing. And I feel like I was peer pressured into watching it. You bullied yeah. me into watching this film. Yeah. <laughs> terrible, I terrible, it terrible, just terrible because film. Mullinger loved it so much. His enthusiasm was so infectious, I thought, you know what, I'm going to watch it again. <laughs> no. Yeah, I've watched you, it twice. You nutter. Awful. Yeah, that was, right, that so was the weird thing. the thing, right? So I, every year, back end of the year, or back end of school year, I sit there and I put together DVDs for examiners of media and drama performances that need to be sent off. And everything I've seen in the almost 10 years I've been doing this <laughs> looked better than what I watched last night. It was fucking ghastly. I've never seen such a badly put together film in all my life. Well, uh, Mullinger put, uh, J- this is James Mullinger, by the way, for anyone who's unfamiliar, the uh, stand-up comedian who uh, you run a podcast with, Paul. I do, yes. Underground Nights. Um, he proclaimed this to be the best film he'd ever seen. Yeah, there, but there was one Rated. clip that he—he he, there was one clip he posted to his Twitter feed, which is of uh, Dirty Den from EastEnders <laughs> reacting to his co-star's <laughs> acting ability, and his <laughs> face uh, is genuine bafflement <laughs> at this guy's ability is. That is hilarious. That was so funny. I had missed it the first time completely. So it was great that Mullinger sort of clipped this bit out and shared it with the world because that is that was genuinely funny. But I think that a film that's so bad it's good. That's a, that's a 
a kind of interesting concept. I mean, what makes it good? What what makes a film that's this bad good to you? Just the the awfulness and the amateurishness of it, and the the subject matter being handled so poorly. And what is effectively a sea of recognisable faces? These are mm. guys that people know from from you know from TV shows. I mean, poor Reg Hollis from the Bill. <laughs> it's just and Burnside. We have it on record, actually, don't we? Our mate Sothcott was in the pub with Burnside on oh, yeah. um, on Saturday and literally pulled him up and said, what the fuck are you doing appearing in this film? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like they were just all hooked into doing it because, um, for those that don't know, the, the, the same people made another film, pretty much identical cast, called Killer Bitch. And mm-hmm. if you thought Mob Hand is was poorly put together and poorly made. You ain't seen nothing yet. Just put well, that on there for yeah. Steve when he loses the quiz. I say, yes, let, let's, let's put this another way, you know. I ain't seeing it. <laughs> I ain't ben, seen ben Dover I just is in ain't it. Seen it. Well good for Bendover. <laughs> <laughs> oh my life. Should we do the I'm quiz? Sure, I'm sure it's the proudest part of his IMDB filmography. I bet it's not. <laughs> Sweet <laughs> quiz, guys. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, do the quiz then, Paul. You're hosting. I am. I've got a selection of shit movie synopsis. I'm going to read out the synopsis. You have to tell me the name of the film. You can take it in turns. And uh, Brooker, you can go first. And right. if you don't get it right, I will pass it over to the other person to nick the point. You ready? Yeah, yeah let's go, go for it. Okay. Boy meets girl. Sweet. Little do, little do they know they hated each other enough to have fucking brain surgery. What? <laughs> Glad you went first, Brooker. <laughs> what the holy fucking... Boy meets what? girl. Sweet. Little do they know they hated each other enough to have fucking brain surgery. Oh, I think I know what it is. I'm glad you've got a clue, because I ain't. All right, do you want to no. pass it over? Yeah, go on, I ain't got no, a clue. Is it Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? It is indeed. Yeah. I'll input to you. Right, you. Owen, your question. A bloke kills people from the future. One day he receives an old bastard who is him. Then things get fucking complicated. Oh, fuck. Looper. Yes, well done. Yeah, loved Looper. It was a great film. Brooke, are you ready? A posh no. twat with a bouffant works in a shop. Some fit yank pops in, and even though she has a boyfriend, he still has a proper sniff around. <laughs> <laughs> have you written these descriptions I written these. I've got them off a, off a fantastic Twitter account, which we, I should give a plug to, called... I can't remember, but it's, it's like shit movie synopsis, I think. That's what it's called. So people should look at your Twitter feed and uh, no okay. doubt be retweets of them, yeah? Yep. A posh twat with a bouffant works in a shop. Some fit yank pops in, and even though she has a boyfriend, he still has a proper sniff around. I ain't got a fucking clue. Not in Hill. Yes. Well done. (laughs) Fair enough. I know what kind of level I'm fucking working at now. Yep. Ready, Owen? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mental people are all lumped on one island, and a a detective is there doing police shit. 
Turns out he's a fucking mental too. Shutter Island. Yes, they are mm. quite easy. I have to say, most of them. They are if you've watched the films, sure. but you know, Luke Perr in Shutter Island. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Anyway, I carry on. Shutter Island. I don't think I would have got that one. Mm. A ginger bird in a knickers. Oh, sorry, fella. <laughs> a ginger on, bird in a knickers tells her husband that she's nearly cheated on him. He gets a mask and fucks off to sex parties. Eyes wide shut. Yes, well done, Brooker. Okay. Pressure's on. Pressure's on. Owen. How many of these are there? There's quite a few, but don't worry. <laughs> mm-hmm. A bloke is bored with his wife and has a right old nonce up over his daughter's mate. A Tesco carrier bag floats about at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, American! Oh fuck, what's it called? Amer- American Beauty. Yes. Oh Jesus Christ! Brain fart then. Brooker, ready? Yeah. A fella has all sorts of shit going on with the IRA. Turns out that's the least of his worries, as his girlfriend's got a cock. <laughs> <laughs> the crying game. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's genius. Oh dear. Owen. Mm-hmm. Two booze loving actors go on holiday and it rains constantly. Things get worse when an old fat bloke tries to bum one of them. That's with Nail and I. That is indeed, Owen. Mm. <laughs> Brooker, I think yes. you're going to get this one. The bloke who played Stephen Hawkins dresses in women's clothes and likes it so much he decides to get his todger cut off. <laughs> the Danish girl. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, my life. The things I do for this podcast. <laughs> I mean, a fella yeah, gets divorced and can't see his kids. So what does the bastard do? He dresses Can up you... like a fat fucking address and talks Scottish. Could you do that one again? Um, the thing cut out, I think. Yep. A fella gets divorced, can't see his kids. So what does the bastard do? He dresses up like a fat fucking address and talks Scottish. Uh, Mrs. Deckfire. Yep. Yeah. You'll get this one, Brooker. You ready? A man <laughs> goes to a town and the police tell him to fuck off. He fights and runs to hide in the trees. He'll only talk to a fella in a beret. <laughs> That's got to be first blood. <laughs> it is indeed. <laughs> <laughs> fella in a beret. <laughs> a fella works in a club. This is for you, Owen. Mm-hmm. A bird on skates notices he has a cock like a baby's arm holding an apple. He wanks off men for cash. That would be Boogie Nights. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the last one. You ready, Brooker? Not a barrel of laughs, I'd imagine. This bloke loses his job, but is delighted when he sues him and wins. He's dead now. What? Oh, I know what that is, I think. What? Not a fucking clue. (laughs) Go on then, I'll steal it. Shall I steal it? It's Dallas Buyers Club? No, it's Philadelphia. Oh! Cheers. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I never would have got that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I win one now. Four, 
five, one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, yes. Brooke, uh, yes, Owen, you, you won by a couple of points. Well done, fella. Hey, thank you. That's quite good. <laughs> I'm off to find that Twitter account now. Yeah, a bit it's really good, isn't it? Hats off to the fellow to, for uh, for doing it. Should we do the news? Yeah, what's what's been happening in the world of film then, Paul? Well, very exciting news in The Guardian today, and you can tell there wasn't much film news around because apparently Sausage Party, which is a, a rude cartoon, um, has been classified as a kid's film in Sweden. And <laughs> you have that to be at least amazing. 11 to see it on your own. But seven with a parent or guardian. Fucking hell. And did, did literally, someone's like... gone, it's a cartoon, it must be for kids, and just not bothered looking at it. What is it that you yeah. always say, Paul? Animations for babies? It absolutely is for babies. <laughs> apart from this particular instance, I actually went on to IMDb and looked up the parental guide to see the number of swears. And this would have been the tiebreak had you... Uh, had you oh, <laughs> right. How many combined cunts, fucks, and shits do you think are in Sausage Party? Uh, 77. 160. 173. Nice. <laughs> I'm guessing not suitable for seven-year-olds. Possibly or not. really suitable for seven-year-olds, depending on what kind of parent you are. Well, I'm pretty, pretty... Do you know, I lived in Sweden for quite a while, and... Um, I did you? You lived yeah. in Sweden? Yeah, in, God, in Gothenburg. Because I was chasing Fanny. <laughs> <laughs> That's True a fucking distance no, to go. Yeah, well, you know, mate, so, you know, hey, you go where, where, go where the best is, surely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, One week Steve's away and it's descended to this again. <laughs> Um, and they do, they are very fond of swearing in English with, with no kind of realisation or, or understanding. There's no context at all. Just they, like they've got they, Tourette's. Kind of, not really. But they don't really understand the, the history and the, and the language and stuff. And they just, they think it's funny. <laughs> it's like if somebody gave you a Swedish swear word, it would sound funny, wouldn't it? Yeah, I see. Yeah. A fear fun is, is Swedish for effectively fuck off. There you go. Is that the extent of your Swedish that you learnt whilst you were out there? They all roll around trying to get into girls' knickers, basically, all the words and phrases that I can remember. (laughs) I'm not entirely sure fuck off works for doing that. (laughs) That was for the geezer who's trying to muscle in on the bird when I'm in the club, you see. You've got to have your armoury fully fully stocked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Have anyone got anything else to say about Sausage Party? Apart from uh, it's got a really it, funny name. It's done surprisingly well, hasn't it, in the box office over in uh, America? It's not out internationally yet, I don't think, or at least it's not out here. Was this the one but, Callum was talking about the other week with like Brian McNamara levels of cuntishness yeah. in the studio? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we co- we kind of covered that last week, but that sounds right. horrendous. Uh, just a small animation studio taking on a project that was clearly too big for them. Uh and they're messing everybody around who was involved with it and not giving due credit where it's apparently warranted. Um, so it seems like it's uh, a complete clusterfuck of a production, but audiences are lapping it up. It could just... I mean, I, 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 the trailer. What did you guys think of the trailer when you saw it? Did you laugh? Did you 
take meh. No, I cringed I for most more. of it. Oh, did you? I laughed more looked... at the trailer for that than I did at the film that followed it. Well, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's definitely that, but that ain't saying much considering how little I laughed at that film. But no, I giggled a bit at it. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I want to watch it. If you're going to do that in a cartoon, you need to be proper filthy. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I mean? You, you can't be a little bit rude. You need to be absolutely like fist in mouth, horrendous, just obscene stuff. Then I'll, then I'll, then I'm on board, and I'll probably watch it and laugh. Yeah, I, I think the problem is, you know, it's the same problem that every comedy has. The trailers don't, you know, you don't get a good grasp of the film from the trailer. I'm, I'm, I'll probably go watch it because it will be on, and I'll, you know, I'll have hour and a half to spare. But outside of that, I don't really care that much. It could mm. be funny. Don't know. Okay. Uh, moving on, um, there is there's some Underground Nights news. Um, yes. Two, mm, two things. Well, the first is that today they announced the UK release date for James Mullinger's film, uh, The Comedian's Guide to Survival, um, which both myself and Owen saw a year ago. It was approximately a year ago. I'm sure it was around October time. Yeah, it was definitely winter time. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm. it's taken a while. I think it's going to do really well. It really should do because it was it 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 had a good cast. It was uh, quite well written. It was genuinely funny. Um, it's uh, quite a long time since it actually um, since we saw that test screener for it to to come out. I don't really know what the normal turnaround for a film is, and I can't imagine they had to change too much of it. To be fair, no, it premiered um, last month at the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal, mm-hmm. and apparently it went down an absolute storm. And all the early reviews have been like amazing. Yeah, well, I'm glad because um, often, I mean, we were both of the same opinion going in to see it, right? We were both concerned that it might not actually be that good. Be any good, yes. <laughs> There's always the worry that, you know, oh shit, this film that someone we kind of know has made. Um, might not be any good. And then we both, la- we we all, you, me and Carol went to see it and we all laughed all the way through, right? So, I mean... Yeah, I, I was probably, I was the most I've laughed in the cinema since kind of back to like Borat and stuff like that. I li- literally was in bits. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. So, um, and is it uh, James Buckley? Is that him from In Between Us? Who's him from In Between Us, yes. Starring as James Mullinger. James Mullinger, which is really mm-hmm. confusing. But yes. I think Paul Kay's the one who steals the show. He's just a genius in that, oh, isn't he? So good. And apparently, if you listen to Underground Arts, you hit it, most of it was ad-libbed. Mm-hmm. The snorting cocaine off the table bit was ad-libbed, wasn't it? Yeah, I think all the insults as well, because he just he yeah. delivers these amazing insults to um, to James Buckley. Just horrendous, the things he's going to mm-hmm. do to him if he doesn't like get his copy in on time and stuff like this. Um, and then... Moving on very quickly to some other Underground Nights news. On Wednesday, um, me and James are booked in to speak to his hero, um, which is a chap called Lloyd Kaufman, who is head of Troma. Um, mm-hmm. He has been in over 300 films. He's produced over 110 films, directed 47. Um, he's been in a lot of stuff from all the way back to Rocky, all the way up to Guardians of the Galaxy. 
Mm-hmm. He's been in a lot of stuff. His, his filmography is just insane. It's this black, uh, hot, you know, dark comedy that he's probably uh, made his name on, right? With these these trauma films, these horror sort of schlocky B movies that have got this huge cult following. I mean, what sort of things have people got to look forward to hearing you and Munninger talk about with him? Then, what kind of films are trauma known for? Well, what have you been watching, I guess? Is yeah, the, Toxic is Avenger, Surf yeah. Nazis Must Die, Rabid Grannies, um, Return to I mean, the titles Dubai. alone are just brilliant, aren't they? The, the titles alone are incredible. Yeah. But to be fair, what the, the, the best thing I've watched was actually a documentary called VHS Massacre, um, which, is a, which is a brand new one from them, it, which is about um, the decline of physical media. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really interesting. They, they they visit all these kind of old VHS stores in the States and people who collect VHS. And, yeah, no, I found it absolutely fascinating. And I'm not – you know, I don't even collect this stuff. Mm-hmm. This is James's bag. He – for those who don't know, he has a um, like a collector's account called Tromaville Citizen, and he probably has one of the largest Troma collections in the world. Mm-hmm. Huge fan. But I don't think he's ever spoken to him before, so – I'm really, I'm quite looking forward to this, but I think it's going to be a huge fanboy session for uh, for James with Lloyd. Yeah, I mean, uh, it should be good fun for, to listen to. I'm looking forward to to hearing it as well. Um, yeah, and it's a massive coup for us because he is, you know, he is. A, everyone knows who he is. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's into any kind of B movie, horror movie, or you know, it, I mean, I probably could name more trauma films than I've actually seen because that's just like the influence of them, right? I mean, everyone knows a trauma movie. If you, as soon as you mentioned Toxic Avenger, everyone's like, oh, yeah, I remember the cover to that. I remember having the video of that when I was younger. I remember sort of, you know, being fans of these kind of movies or, you know, I think most people have at least heard of. Yeah, Stuff and like I think I think um, Dylan Greenberg, who's made some of the trauma films, is also joining us as well to talk about a couple of his projects. So yeah, it's, it's going to be yeah excited. Um, mm-hmm. Moving on to Fright Fest now, Brooker, you're yes, off. Mate. What are you looking forward to? Well, uh, uh, thirty-one, probably my biggest one for next weekend. I am really, 31. really, yeah, Rob Zombie's new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's one that he crowdfunded. Uh, I didn't get involved in the crowdfunding because I try not to do that. Mm-hmm. But no, I it I always like his films. His kind of hillbilly horror thing I really really like. I know a lot of people don't, but I always find them really fun to watch. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm a bit gutted actually that what turned out to be the Blair Witch uh, has been pulled. The Woods. Yeah, because it was, it was yeah. the Woods, wasn't Adam it? And the Wingards, wasn't it? Yeah, they Simon pulled Barrett. that and then they announced what it actually was. So. That was a bit of a kick in the teeth. Well, hell. <laughs> I mean, I think that's... The, I mean, The Woods is, is one of the films I'm most looking forward to now. Yeah. Because, as you know, I'm a big fan of the, of the original Blair Witch. Well, the thing, I mean, and this is... I said this in that, that thing I've done about trailers, didn't I? I, mm-hmm. I couldn't care less about The Blair Witch or The Blair Witch Project, but the trailer for The Woods looked really, really good, and it looked really creepy, and I really fancied it. And... I was blown away when they announced that it was actually Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the fact that you've made me interested in that is amazing. But you know, the Blair Witch or not, I really wanted to watch it, and I'm quite gutted that they pulled it and yeah, replaced it with uh, The Ring versus the Grudge. Oh yeah, 
which mm. looks like it could be fun, but I don't know. To me, that doesn't seem like a Fright Fest sort of film. Yeah. You know what I mean? Freddy versus Jason or these kind of films that would do okay anyway. Fright Fest is Freddy more about... Jason, it's a comedy, isn't it? And this one yeah, yeah. doesn't... I, I don't think it's going to be funny in the fucking slightest. Uh, but I'll give it a go. Literally, I'm, I couldn't make the whole weekend. I'm booked in for three of the five days. And I've got my little seat and I'm not going to move from it for like eight hours. Yeah. So well, this, this, this week's uh, triple bill, basically the main feature of this week's podcast, is going to be on films that have like frightened us the most, right? Yeah. Which is inspired, you know, obviously when I've worked these things out and I look at the timings and the schedules, it's because Fright Fest, is, it starts on Thursday, 25th of August. Yeah, and the film I'm, that kicks I'm it off... I'm there for opening you, night. You're there to see the southern gothic progeny of Cape Fear, Night of the Hunter and Old Boy, uh, as it was described. Yeah. It looks fucking going, awesome. It kind of does, doesn't it? It looks really awesome. And actually, the, that is the... Because I wasn't going to bother with... Thursday night because I can't get down there for Friday because I can't get day off for work and I was like I'm I'm not going to bother getting a a pass for the Thursday I'll, I'm, maybe I'll just wait for the single tickets to go on sale and then saw that mm-hmm. you know opening night doesn't start till six I was like I can get down there for that <laughs> so yeah. listen I've got to be in the car the second I finish work and head straight down to Shepherd's Bush and find my little seat and not fucking move it looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really, I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, it's a shame that it's probably going to be watered down by the fucking UK premiere of the latest Stephen King piece of shit, uh, The mm-hmm. Cell. The Cell, yeah, with uh, Samuel Jackson and uh... which just looks absolute guff. This doesn't look the... fun at no. all. No, no. But uh, what I did watch um, earlier today, I hadn't heard anything about it, and I, you know, just as I had a five minute break where I could just flick through uh, trailers that were, that were showing for films at um, Fright Fest. I saw one which particularly stood out just from the single frame. I watched the trailer for The Love Witch by Anna Biller. Have either of you two seen that? I've seen no. the trailer. That's good. It looks absolutely fucking amazing. It's uh, set in the 1960s and is about a woman who creates a magic love potion to kind of snare the man of her dreams, but it backfires, so she has to keep killing all these blokes who are after her. Um, it looks proper old school Hammer Horror, and it's yep. it's been shot entirely on thirty five millimeter film, so it looks almost identical to the the Technicolor movies that it's kind of paying tribute to. Um, the only thing that worries me slightly about it is that it's listed as being two hours long, which from the yeah, looks of it, long. it probably yeah. I mean, it probably would be. I mean, I haven't seen it, so maybe it's unfair, but it looks like the sort of movie that would be more enjoyable if it was a short 80 to 90 minute yeah. horror film. But yeah, even yeah. so, I mean, I'm going to keep an eye out for it. I'd suggest people take a look at the trailer at least because it just looks awesome. Yes, I mean, well, uh, the, the... oh, sorry, go on, fella. So you go on, mate. It's all right. No, I was just going to say, I looked through the schedule and the only, there were two things that caught my eye. Um, one was, of course, 31, because who doesn't want to see Sherry Moon Zombie? Um, and with sadistic clowns and people being tortured in a grindhouse movie, and, it and does. I am excited. Any for day that. of the week and twice, maybe if I can fit it in on a Sunday. Yep. But the one that I've heard about and the one that I was desperate to see and didn't even know it was there is Train to Busan. 
which is a Korean zombie film, which has been getting huge buzz. Are you seeing oh, that? Yeah, yeah. I um, <clears throat> I heard about this. Um, yeah. It's, so it has to be getting lots of buzz. To get it on there. Sorry, mate. If it's not on your radar, get it on there. It's on on the Monday. I can't get down there for it. Ah, I'm I'm there. I'm there Thursday. I'm there Saturday. I'm there Sunday. I just, you know, life. I I can't fuck yeah, off. Hey, mate, don't apologise. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, I, it's odd though, isn't it? Because Korean films, I mean, Korean cinema in general, not really revered for its horror films, like its proper horror films or creature features. Maybe. Yeah. What's the um? Is it Park Park Chan Wook who did the Taylor Two? No, it was um. Ah, Taylor Two Sisters, Bong Joon Ho. So I mean, that I didn't really enjoy that. But there, I mean, there aren't many Korean horrors that immediately leap to mind as being particularly good. No, not 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 great. The only thing I've seen normally at Fright Fest, I've seen a few of them ahead of time. The only one I've seen uh, that's on the main kind of screen is the Resort, which is. A uh, basically big game hunting for zombies in a um, th- they keep all the zombies on an island and you can go and shoot mm-hmm. them and things go tits. Yep. It's like Jurassic Park with zombies. I'm, I'm quite looking forward to that. It looks all right. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it was all right. Do Grey Scott's in it? <laughs> yeah. So I get yeah, to, I get because right. ab- abattoirs on after that as well in the screen I'm in. So cool. And I quite fancy that because the new I, I like Darren Lynn Bousman. I think he's a he makes fun films, even if they are operas. <laughs> there's so. a, there's a, a film that's on um, that I haven't seen, but I'm trying to get a screener for it, which is one of these more indie uh, horror films. The kind of things that I'm talking about when I think of Fright Fest, I think of these films that otherwise I wouldn't ever hear about or see. One's called Downhill, which is a very looks very kind of uh, independent cinema sort of horror film. Yeah. Uh, Set in the uh, Chilean mountains, I think, with deranged hunters, naked witches, and a deadly virus. So it's got everything in there. Um, everything a growing boy needs. Exactly. Yes. With actors from Knock Knock, The Green Inferno, and Aftershock. That's how it's built. Oh, perfect. So, do you know, you know what I trying... do? Mm-hmm. Every now and again, is after, after Fright Fest, like after six months later, or even a year later, is go back and look what was on. Mm-hmm. And then find those films because they will invariably been released, and a lot of them released under the radar. Yeah, they really all banished the for... Fright Fest presents DVDs, didn't they? Yeah, they do now. They never, I don't. Well, some of them make it onto the Horror Channel as well now, because you know the Horror Channel's got its own screen, hasn't it? At Fright well, Fest, Horror Channel's so... sponsoring it now. Yeah, which is great. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think you know more access to these sort of films. It's only a good thing. After I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite excited. It's my first one, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I've, I've warned the other after if it turns out to be fucking awesome next year, I'm pissing off for the entire five days. <laughs> Welcome back to Foul Critics, where we are going to take a look at this week's new releases. And, Brooker, you have seen Lights Out. How was it? I have. It was all right. It was all right. It's uh, it's only a little film. You know, a little film is a very short film, but it's about a, a kind of ghosty thing 
that lives in the dark and you know find you know lives in shadow and pops out of the you know the black bit under your bed and the black bit in the cupboard and if you shine a light on her she disappears she uh but you know she's the, the stories of this kind of very very angry ghost who is systematically trying to kill members of this one woman's family it's maria bellows kind of this crazy mum who uh, is haunted by this ghost and this ghost is trying to kill all of her family uh interesting little film not the best thing that's ever been made it's 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 another paint by numbers made by accountants horror film but it's is so it short in states nah nah it must be pg-13 that's what must i mean be. sorry yeah pg-13 uh, I, I don't know what the rating is in the States. I've not checked. I can check for it's you. My pet hate. <laughs> if it ain't got an R, I'm not interested. <laughs> uh, the thing is, I do kind of agree, but at the same time, it, their rating system's different to ours. No, no, but you know, horror film. It's suitable for children. But, <laughs> an R film, you, but you can take a kid into an R-rated film. Yeah, I know, but it's just... I don't know. I just, you know, it, they just don't sit it, well with me. It don't sit well with me either, but at the end of the day, you can't, you know, these people, the only rating they have that is actually properly restricted was the NC-17 rating, and they don't, they never, they don't want to give that, well, they do want to give that up, but filmmakers never want it, because it kills your film. All ratings in the States, you can, you know, if you are that kind of cunt, you can take your four-year-old in to see an R-rated film, you know, you should probably have child services called on you afterwards, but you can take your kid into an R-rated film, it's... I have a feeling this conversation will continue when we do our films that have scared us a bit later. Maybe. <laughs> well, no, because I've never seen a film, or I was never taken into an R-rated film when I was seven because I lived in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> but That would uh, prevent it slightly. Yeah. But, you know, but it is a 15-rated film, but it's not particularly bloody. It's not particularly violent, even. What it is, is scary. You know, and it, okay, I, I, I will be honest. It made me jump out of my skin on more than one occasion. But I've I've said before, like uh, things that just reach and grab you out of the dark scare the living shit out of me. It's I sat there last year on your recommendation, Paul. I sat and watched. We are still here. Mm. I sat and watched that fucking film through my fingers. It scared the crap out of me. Because, yeah, that nearly you know, made my list for later. Very nearly. Yeah, nearly made mine as well. And you know what, mate? It, it's the things coming out of the dark. The, the, when it goes batshit crazy towards the end, it doesn't scare me at all. It just makes me fucking laugh. But no. the, the, sh- the shadow things downstairs in that film, absolutely brown pants time. Yeah. <laughs> and Lights Out isn't quite to that level. It's not got that level of scariness but there, there are a couple of bits that are very very scary and those bits they're even really well telegraphed you know they're coming you know we've all seen enough horror films to know exactly where it's coming from and exactly what it's going to do but it still makes you jump and that's all i want out of, out of a horror film and the genius of this film actually is only 80 minutes long you know, it's less than an hour and a half. By the time it gets to a point where you've had enough or it's worn out, it's welcome, the fucking credits are rolling. 
you, you ain't got time to get bored. It's less than an hour and a half long. I think this is an interesting film to go and see in the cinema before you go down to Fright Fest. I think because at horror film audiences, you get two types, don't you? You get the type who would be hardcore horror fans, be quite respectful of what's happening on screen, you know, as yeah. the sort that you'll get at Fright Fest. The hardcore sure. film fans. Not and just... the people who go to see Lights Out and, you know, groups of teenage girls with their yeah. teenage think... boyfriends who scream at every single fucking thing on the screen. Oh, this was it. There were people, you know, I went on a, it was a Sunday afternoon, so it was it was about a third full. And, you know, it, it was it was filled with people that jump at everything and scream and, ah, and oh my God, it's going to come out the corner. And, you know, it does ruin your fucking experience. It really, really just, just shut the fuck up, mate, and watch the film. Twice. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like a, um, a, you know, miserly old curmudgeon, no, but no, if if pe- people enjoy can enjoy how you yeah. want to enjoy it, but just mm-hmm. shut the fuck up. <laughs> it really, it, I mean, we've all been that person, right? We've all been the person who's gone with the group of mates when we were teenagers to watch film and it went be it a comedy or a horror film. And it's just like, I remember going to see Jeepers Creepers with a group of mates. I went to see, uh, without a paddle with a group of mates and those sort of films, you know, where you're just like having a laugh with your friends, really. That's what those films are in the cinema. Um, But there was, as an adult, (laughs) look look at these kids around me. I just want them to shut up. It's like, it's a completely different... I never went to to see horror movies with my mates. All my mates wanted to see the action stuff. And I think this is why I kind of love horror movies so much. Because I used to literally, you know, especially over Halloween, when all the horror movies come out, you know... fuck off on a Saturday afternoon. Bollocks to me, mate. So I want to go see a film. So I'd sit and watch all the shit that none of my mates wanted to watch with me. Yeah. You know, and I'd be glued to the screen for like eight hours at a time just watching horror films. And I do. I'm I'm target audience for this shit. I am a giant fucking pussy. I jump out of my skin at everything. I, you know, I, I'm scared. I want to look away. I, I chew my nails, everything. The whole thing just terrifies me. But I love it. And... I, I do think Fright Fest, there's going to be every every day that I'm down there, I'm, I guarantee the first two films, there are going to be people like that that jump and, oh, he's going to come out the corner. And then they're going to realize these aren't the kind of films you do that in. And I won't mm-hmm. see them again for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Almost positive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. But there's something about a shared experience with horror films that makes them sometimes much uh, more enjoyable experiences. Um, I'm really looking forward to going down and seeing films with other horror fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking like on the Sunday I'm taking Maya down with me and we're going to go, you know, we're going to watch the, literally we'll find our two seats and not move for eight hours and finish <laughs> off with 31, which it, she wanted to see 31 as well. So I like, well, fuck it. We'll go do both days. We'll chuck the kid off to the outlaws and, and we'll go watch the films together. I'm really looking forward to doing that, but I'm really looking forward to sitting in a room with other horror fans, you know, mm-hmm. not, 12 year old when I went to see the fucking forest the other month I fell asleep and the only thing that woke me up were the people screaming at the non-scary bits the shrieking at it's like it's trying to impress their mates at how scared they are yeah or again say a similar thing with comedies people who explain a joke straight yeah. away to their friends afterwards as if they've got it and are therefore you know much more intelligent and isn't that impressive kind of thing yeah and again I, I realise what a misanthropic Cunt, I sound like, but I am. <laughs> I'm afraid. I would I, never is... call you that. Yeah, you know. 
But no, it's uh, the thing with Lights Out is, like I say, it's, it's over really quickly. It's got a couple of really good little bits in it because obviously this this thing only appears in the dark, and mm-hmm. like there's without ruining anything because I I do genuinely think horror fans would actually quite enjoy this film. But there are the, the little bits with you know like the old school like living in New York, flashing lights, uh, flashing mm-hmm. red neons outside an apartment block mm-hmm. thing. You know, there's quite an inventive bit with one of them, you know, and you will, you'll jump out of your skin. You, you're supposed to. It was really good fun. You know, mm-hmm. I probably won't buy it. When it comes on Sky Movies, I might show it to the missus because, you know, she, I think she'll quite like it. But, you know, it's not a film that needs a spot in my permanent collection. But, you know, it's worth a butcher's. I, I wouldn't say no if somebody said, you know, this film's on. Do you want to go watch it again? Shit, yeah, man. We saw the trailer together, right, in uh, yeah. the cinema um, before The Shallows, and you hadn't seen the trailer before, and nope. I had, and I was just sitting there. <laughs> I remember looking over to you and thinking, this film is utter shit, and the thought went through my head, which was, oh, I'm glad Brooke is going to review this and not me. <laughs> I really liked it, though. And, and this is the thing, like, when we saw the trailer, because I, I don't think I jumped that much at the trailer. There was the one... Obvious mm. bit at the beginning, the uh, the woman in the mannequin, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, which was obviously going to get a jump because that's exactly what it was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But I looked at because I said this to you at the time, didn't I? I said it looks like a shit horror, but it's got yeah. that thing that makes me crap my pants every time. I mean, everyone's got something like that. Whether it's like haunted houses, or some people hate graveyards, some people hate attics. Yeah, There's just a setting a of a, a haunted, film. Haunted that... house films, you know, a good example. Like things like Woman in Black. I yeah. I sit and stare at it and it doesn't phase me in the slightest. Mm-hmm. But this thing, like this, this lights out, there's this one bit right near the beginning. It's in the trailer when the kid talks to the mum and she's like, oh, di- did we keep you up? Because she's mm-hmm. clearly talking to this thing that's in the dark cupboard. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, after that, it follows on and she's staring at him as he's walking away. And this thing just appears from the side of the door and just my skin was crawling watching this. It was so creepy. You're mm. such a big Jesse. Crikey, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, there's probably a couple of films on my list later that you ain't going to want to see then, fella. Jeez. <laughs> there, but there I think, not, I mean, when it comes to horror films, there ain't much I haven't seen. But, mm. you know, I like having the shit scared out of me. It's why I do it. Yeah, of course. That's why... I think we all watch horror films. We're all trying to constantly seek the next film that's going to scare us. Or perhaps the opposite of that is something a bit more, we want something a bit more uh, kind of cerebral, something that's going to make us think rather than, yep. than just scare us. It's when it just resorts to, boom, jump scare tropes that, you know. You see, that's, that's, not, a, that's not a horror film, though, is it? You know, it's, exactly. It's a, it's a crap, not funny comedy. And it's it's like going to a theme park, right? And you jump on a roller coaster kind of thing. You're not going to see a film. You're just going for the cheap, quick thrills. Yeah, it's it's that sort of experience. Yeah. And that's that's the kind of Lionsgate paint by number shit that I generally can't really get behind. Mm-hmm. But I still yeah. watch them in the hopes that one of them will be good. Yeah, I'm sure one keep day. Dreaming, <laughs> keep dreaming. Yeah, we well. are going to move on now to um. David Brent, Life on the Road. Now, you want to talk about a fucking horror film? (laughs) I just want to open this by saying that 
not everyone will probably know that David, uh, sorry, that Ricky Gervais used to be in a band. Mm-hmm. Um, they were called Siona Dancing. They had two singles on uh, on London Records, and I, I bring this up because we'll, we'll get to this. Minute, but my biggest problem with this is that it's not David Brent that wants to be a pop star. It's Ricky Gervais. And you know what, fella? You had your chance and you fucked it. <laughs> Going back now, getting like that dick from Coldplay. To, he's going to release an album off the back of this film. You know that, right? Who from Coldplay? The dick. The, what's his name? Chris Martin? Chris. Is that his name? Coldplay? Yeah. What the fuck's yeah. His? yeah. He was involved in, in the music for this film. He was? He was. This wow. whole project is a vanity project for Ricky Gervais to get finally an album out. And that is my, uh, apart from the, a million other flaws, you mean that fucking that's terrible my biggest final issue. that HMV are charging 25 quid for. Yeah, that's the one. He's going he's gonna to have one of those, finally. Even though he's gone the most roundabout way of doing it. And I just think, no, mate, give it up. It ain't happening. <laughs> it's not... so you think it's a, a film... Um... Driven by ego, really. Yes. And not the fictional David Brent ego, no. but Ricky Gervais's real <laughs> egotistical streak to have a... I mean, it's a very expensive and ludicrous way to, to go about that, though, isn't it? To create an entire movie. Yep. To... That's the genius of it. He's got the BBC to pay for it for him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I genuinely believe that. That's not, and I've seen. I was actually looking earlier and looking at a few reviews, and a few, you know, highbrow critics have picked up on exactly the same thing. This ain't about David Brent. This is all about Ricky Gervais. Hmm. What did you think? Well, I mean, I should we give a quick synopsis then for people who maybe don't really know well, what it's. Well, it's yeah. I mean, for those of you who remember The Office, and I guess most people listening to this will. We'll know that what what it was back in the was it the nineties two two thousand one I think it was it's a mockumentary um, uh, about a paper sales company and Ricky Gervais played David Brent who was the manager of the office and they had a camera crew in there and it just chronicled their kind of day to day goings on and you know specifically focused on him being a bit of a dick and. Yeah, it was like a fly-on-the-wall documentary, yeah. right? I mean, it took the piss out of things that were around at the time. Other kind of... Uh, I was trying to think. Coach Trip was a bit later than that, though, wasn't it? But they had, like, airport and stuff like that. I don't think it was, it was really kind of playing on those. Those all came afterwards. I th- think the airport thing was before it, and I think it was like they were recognising that reality TV, in inverted commas, was becoming a thing. Um but the yeah. most important thing you need to know with this, and he, uh, Gervais has, has been quoted as saying, this is not an office film. Mm-hmm. Even though it's the guy from the office in a film. The only way it's not an office film is because he's fucked over everyone who was in the office because none of them <laughs> are in it. It's all mm. about him. Yeah. But in a way, that kind of fits though doesn't it because the character of i mean i'm, I'm assume this is me now making an assumption did you guys watch the office yes i think i've watched one and a half episodes of the office 
Okay, so Brooker, I know, didn't like The Office. Mm. Paul, what was your opinion of The Office? Oh, I loved The Office when it came out. It just came out of nowhere. I didn't know anything about the people involved and just thought, oh, I know all these dickheads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've worked with all of these people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay. So going into Life on the Road, which is now set, is it 15 years? Well, yeah, it'd be 15 years after The Office, wouldn't it? Mm. 15 years after The Office with Brent, who works in a different place, a lower paid job, lower position, lo- less responsibility, rags. as he puts it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, who who dreams of being a rock star still and goes on tour, takes himself on tour with a band who hate him. Yes. But, I mean, going into this film, knowing that, were you going in expecting office levels of comedy or modern Ricky Gervais levels of comedy? And I think there's two differences there. Yeah, what was, I, what I was thought your opinion? it was going to be a mixture and it, and it, it pretty much was. The, the, the problem you have is this is for an international audience. This ain't a BBC comedy for the Brits. So mm-hmm. although you have the awkward, you know, fist-chewing office-style comedy... You then have to shoehorn in a feel-good movie and and a love interest, mm-hmm. and those things mixed with with the kind of cringy officeness just don't work. They just don't. I found it. I, I I found it embarrassing. I was embarrassed for all of the people who involved in the project. I could. I wasn't even angry about it. I was just like, I I took my son, who's fifteen, and. He's seen the US office, but he'd never seen the UK office. He will laugh at anything. Any film he goes to, it's always the best film he's seen. He has an unlimited card and stuff. This, he said, was terrible. I've never (laughs) heard him call a film terrible before. He didn't laugh (laughs) once. Not Uh, once. Okay. Because I kind of liked bits of it. Brooker, why did you not like it? (laughs) (laughs) Why did I not? Shame on you, Hughes. I'll, I'll explain why afterwards but you know but I, I know that Brooke has not said anything for a while and I think it's because he's holding back the rage no it's not, <laughs> not at all I just, well this is the biggest problem with it was, was the fact that I just I didn't think I could get angry yeah, I just thought it was Ricky Gervais crying out for help because his career's gone down the shitter that's what it felt like when I was watching it it almost felt if I thought Ricky Gervais was smart enough to put something like that together I would think it was you know, this film was a metaphor for his entire life. It's just so sad and so pathetic and so so very shit. I again I didn't laugh once. I sat there in the cinema and half you know, most of the cinema didn't laugh once. I had one dude howling at everything, but he howled at the Keith Lemon advert before the film started as well. So you know I, I <laughs> know what kind of level he's working at. It just, I didn't get it. I, I didn't particularly like The Office. I, I didn't hate it. I mm-hmm. I don't really like Ricky Gervais. I think he's a loathsome twat. Uh, I don't think he's very funny in the slightest. I've, I've tried watching his stand-up and it's not been funny. I, I've watched his films and they've not been funny. I don't get how the guy manages to call himself a comedian. I genuinely have, I don't think I've ever sit, laughed at anything that's come out of his fat gob. I just <laughs> honestly, I said this yesterday when I came out the film. If it wasn't for the fact I was going to see Lights Out directly after, I'd have got up and gone home because what utter, utter load of bollocks! 
<laughs> I wow. just I sat there struggling to stay awake. Right, I lit, I'm watching this film, like chin on me chin on me hand, just staring at the screen as this a motherfucker every time he'd done that stupid cunt laugh of his. <laughs> I wanted to take I... an electric <laughs> fucking kitchen knife to his bollocks. Seriously, he needs to fucking stop that, the twat. I oh, was... <laughs> that's a character trait of Brent, I think. In the... <laughs> yeah, exactly. The thing about <laughs> David Brent is that he's annoying. That's that's the, the, the kind of... I don't know what you'd... How is that funny? Like... It's, that on its own isn't funny. But the funny... Is that's all it is for an hour and a half. You see him going... <laughs> But the comedy doesn't come from Brent, does it? The comedy comes from the people reacting to Brent. And it's like... Is that where it comes from? Okay. (laughs) But what I'm trying trying to explain is, I don't think Gervais has co-created David Brent to be the funny one. Because you, you laugh at him in the same way the people in the film or in the office are a kind of perplexed and, and and confused about who he is and it's like you you can imagine him as a real person and i think that like the thing that handicap person but that's that's the the joke isn't it because it's it's <laughs> there is something yeah, I mean, wrong with him i am i am genuinely curious is that what the joke's supposed to be am i supposed to be laughing at a mentally challenged twat no <laughs> it's not it's singing not laughing. about disabled people is the way forward no, you, <laughs> you're laughing at the people who are reacting to him. And it's like, with, if, if, it was, if the film was just David Brent on his own saying stuff to camera, okay, you'd get quite a few laughs out of it, but that's because it'd be in the writing rather than the character, right? I mean, it would be him saying something obnoxious or kind of what he thinks is, uh, is philosophical, but it's kind of erudite. But in, in the film... You have the people around him to do that for you, which is what makes you um, laugh. Or it made me laugh. I'm saying you, but obviously I mean me. <laughs> it didn't make me laugh. Made me laugh. And there, there are things in this, like, um, for example, there's one scene with uh, Gervais who, as uh, David Brent, who's kind of at his wit's end. He realises his tour is not going how he wanted it to. The band members aren't really paying him any respect the one guy there who's played by doc brown uh, who i quite like actually i've, I've said doc brown in a few can things can i just say he's fucking awesome he's amazing everyone isn't he? else in this film is amazing apart from your face well again though i mean i will explain why i think that might be the case but then like you've got the scene of him being carried down a corridor off his face uh, by doc brown and trying to get him to say, my digger, right? There's a quote from the film. Is he's trying to get Doc Brown That's to not, say to? It's not owns a racist. I am a. Ra- I have just made a racism. <laughs> and I, I mean that bit is only in there for U.S. audiences. Uh, yep. Much like the Native American song. I don't know about that. Yeah, I think the that... only dude it is clearly. Shoehorned in for bit of pandering. Yeah, of course it well, the is. Kind, the kind of people in this country that would find that funny don't go to see Won't the office. Won't be going office to the cinema. 
I found it funny. I thought it was quite a, a touching moment in the film where that you 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 know David Brent, who's so het up and and so uh, introverted, despite his like extroverted activity, he kind of keeps all of his emotions inside. Right? There's that moment he opens up and you see a vulnerability. To, he opens up to somebody else, and I think it's a interesting point in the film where he just shows a bit of. He is desperate for attention, but in a different kind of way. It's a one-on-one rather than to an audience sort of thing. He just wants someone to like him. I think that's what happens with most of the film. In lots of ways, David Brent Life on the Road was was a lot like Alpha Papa, the Alan Partridge movie, in that you've got this guy who was famous. He has a, a kind of glimpse at what he could be again, Um desperately clings to it, alienates everyone around him in his search for it, and in the end, there's a bit of humble pie, and he finds that life really isn't that bad as it was, right? That's that's essentially how this film plays out. It's just a 90-minute comedy about a guy learning to accept himself. And I think it's it's written mostly pretty well. There's The problem I had with... Uh, David Brent Life on the Road wasn't. I didn't think the humour was particularly bad. Yes, it's a bit schmaltz is the wrong word, but it's a bit sentimental in the way that Ricky Gervais is these days. All you know, from extras to Derek to some of the other stuff he's done, he adds this element of sentiment to his work. Um, the problem I had was that it kind of towards the end doesn't earn this twist. It doesn't. Everyone suddenly likes him on the spin of a coin. There's no, there's nothing in that film that earns that little bit of respect that he gets at the end. It's just like, no, we have to end the film and here he is happy. I think that's the only bit for me that I found frustrating. The rest of it, I like the fact that they brought the character on of David Brent. I don't think he's the same as he was in The Office. They've shown some extra um, depth to him, which was surprising considering Stephen Merchant isn't involved in this and he's usually the guy who brings that to the characters in the office um, whereas Ricky Gervais was kind of this I read an interview with Stephen Merchant and he was saying Gervais basically was the creative um, like volcano all these ideas just kept erupting out of him and it was up to Stephen Merchant to try and rein them in and pick out the best ones and pull it into a kind of order um, so I didn't expect it from from Life on the Road but yeah, I think I mean, I'll just kind of finish If you've ever seen one say. of his stand-ups, I think that rings pretty true. Yeah, I, I went to see him live. I saw him perform uh, Science in Oxford right. uh, when that was around. And it was funny. It was very funny. It was... I got... I won tickets to see it, but there were tickets for people at the front. Bear in mind, this is just a kind of... I mean, it's a decent-sized theatre, but it's not the Royal Albert Hall or any fucking massive thing like that. It's just a little theatre in Oxford. 50 quid a ticket, that was. Fuck you! And he, he was on for less than an hour. And he Jesus. was off. See, I've not... I've, yeah. I never fucking paid chance, more than sir. half that for some pretty decent fucking stand-up acts. Mm. That's, yeah, fucking chance. <laughs> I did. I wasn't impressed. I mean, I wouldn't have gone to see him if I didn't get the tickets for, for free. But yeah. um, I, it was still funny. I still enjoyed it. I, I remember um, watching to- uh, Animals. That was good. And I watched, um, 
What was his other one that he did as well? Fame. That was pretty good. I mean, I kind of liked his stand-up. He wasn't the best stand-up comedian in the world ever kind of thing. But he knows how to write comedy. Let's, let's talk about his filmography then. Mm-hmm. David Brent, Life of the Road. Shit. Special Correspondence, um, which is actually currently my worst film of the year. His Netflix original movie. Have you I seen it seen yet? I haven't seen that one yet. Nope. I avoided it. Ooh. See, any for, particular for reason? Because it's oh, got my, it's, it's fucking awful. And actually, do you know what? I, you know, I you've kind of mentioned that Mob Hand is the worst film of all time. <laughs> I'm going to say that the invention of lying is much worse. The, the invention of lying is pretty fucking gash. It's fucking abysmal. I went to the cinema to see that, and I you wanted to didn't. tear my eyes out. I did. I wanted to tear my eyes out by the time I was finished. The it, guy cannot make a film, I'm sorry. All of them are no, terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily uh, his best And quality. if he hasn't got someone reining him in, <laughs> I think this is the problem. If he hasn't got someone reining him in, what he's got is a script filled with a load of shit that's just fallen out of his face that he thinks is funny. No one else does, but no one tells him no. And I think someone needs to slap him in the face and tell him to get a fucking grip. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, he's basically untouchable in America, isn't he? And yeah. I think that's probably it contributes to this uh, ego that he has. That he's, um, you know, he hosts the Golden Globes and um, he's in the, you know, quite controversial character over there because they don't really have a comedian like him, who's this outspoken atheist who. Uh, is very popular with most other comedians. And I think that he's he's just something a bit different for them. Whereas over here, we've perhaps seen him more as uh, the kind of Derek character now. He's, I think he's changed tact slightly of how he presents himself here. Um, Do you know a movie of Ghost Town? Ghost Town. Mm-hmm. Is that him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, I'm not even, I didn't even bother watching that. that but fun. then he has been in very commercially successful movies. You know, he's been in Night at the Museum. He was in Muppets Most Wanted. Right. Um, yeah, but Night <laughs> at the Museum wasn't his film, though, was it? He but they're not his film. Yeah, he but was a support he, character in a in a Ben Stiller, Robin Williams film. Mm-hmm. No, he has never been or made a good film. No, uh, he hasn't. I'm sorry, but he hasn't. They're all terrible. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't think of a, a great one that he's been in. There's been ones that I haven't hated, but <laughs> damned by faint praise. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's his TV work that I think is is spectacular. Some of the the, the stuff from extras, just it's it's phenomenal writing, right? And it's a ph- phenomenal performance from him as well as Andy. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, it, it plays on this sentimental aspect to it. But the the uh, was it the Christmas special? Or just a, a special one-off where he was in Celebrity Big Brother. He, you watch that and you think, this is a guy who... He will go down as one of Britain's greatest comic creators, I think. If only for The Office and Extras. I don't know about that. I think he will. I think he'll be remembered as the as the guy who made The Office and Extras. Perhaps less so for... sort of appearing at Night of the Museum and Stardust and the like, but um, I think he will. I think he'll genuinely still be remembered 
20, 30 years from now. He's one of these ones where, where they they have some success and um, then they become kind of utter cunts and we ship them off to the States. You can see also James Corden, see also Russell Brand. Just ugh. get them in the fucking seas, what I say. I mean, the other thing that we should, I mean, we should be thankful for Ricky Gervais for. And yes, I mean, there are reasons we should be thankful for him. Um, podcasts. If it wasn't for Ricky Gervais, Stephen Merchant and Carl Pilkington, we probably wouldn't be doing this right now. I I didn't even know they had a podcast. No, yeah. me neither. Mm-hmm. It was, um, they're kind of almost, not single-handedly, but a huge contributor to the fact that podcasts exist really that's kevin form. smith surely it's modcast uh adam and joe and um well adam and joe in the uk and uh ricky gervais's podcast yeah no, ricky gervais no, not a clue. yep yep if it wasn't for for them podcasts arguably would have died to death around 2005 so well, there you go every mm-hmm. day's a school day isn't it yep should we move on and do our uh Top three yeah. scary films, we'll, frightening films. Films that have frightened us, I think, is what we'll do. We'll be back after this short break. Welcome back to Felt Critics. In honour of Fright Fest starting, uh, I believe, this week, we are counting down our top three most frightening films. Not necessarily horror films, but Films that have frightened you in some way or another. Owen, what have you got for us? What's your number three? Well, um, I haven't got them in any particular order. Uh, although kind of a little bit of an order, but it's not It's not in terms of the ones that scared me most to the ones that didn't scare me that much. So I was trying to think back to the first film that properly scared me, or at least the first film I can remember being uh, properly scared by. And I've definitely watched films when I was a kid that I was definitely too young to see uh alluding to what we were talking about earlier this is probably going to be a common theme i think isn't it Mm, possibly possibly so um okay i'll give you a bit of context to what i'm going to say when when i was uh, a lot younger me and my brother we used to be uh we my nan and granddad used to look after us on a saturday when my mom and dad both went to work and, you know, we'd watch all these nice Disney movies, you know, The Rescuers, Pinocchio, The Aristocats, that sort of thing. And I was, uh, so I don't know, maybe seven years old at the time. But I was old enough to remember watching and enjoying these kiddie cartoons, but also old enough to remember being at my older cousin's house and seeing his VHS tapes of Kickboxer, of, you know, Bloodsport, Venter the Dragon. All was kind this of... the older cousin that touched you or the other one? The other one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> one of them um, recording. Touched my uh, heart and introduced me to these films. So he, you know, these films, they kind of tend <laughs> I'll start again. They... <laughs> oh, dear. So these films all had that 18 rated sticker on them, you know. Uh, on the spine, the little red circle, 18 years old. I knew I was too young to watch them. And of course, I never did actually watch them because I wasn't allowed to. But I think they always had this mystical allure for me. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure 
I watched 18 rated films when I was not quite that young, but a bit young. You know, I watched Predator before I got to secondary school and it scared the life out of me, but I absolutely loved it. Um, but it was actually another Arnie film that I can quite clearly remember seeing before watching Predator that scared the living fuck out of me. Um, it was the first time I spent the night away from my parents, right? So, again, probably about six or seven years old, um, and not the other day. Hey, anyway. So it was around, like, I don't know, 1993, I think. So I stayed at my grandma's house, who had Sky Movies, which was, at the time, something, like, incredibly exotic. Because a huge dish on analogue. A huge, massive fucking dish outside on their tiny little telly. And all I can remember... Um, from the evening that I stayed there was that I, when I went to bed in the spare room, it had a fucking TV in it, which blew my tiny little mind away because th- that was just like incredible. Um, it was something unreal, I guess. And so I switched on the Quite TV when I was supposed to be in private. <laughs> it wasn't even that. It wasn't even that. Oh, I switched on the TV and I'm, it must have been Sky Movies that I watched. Um because I sat in complete terror as Robert Patrick skewered a man and his milk cart and threw the head <laughs> with his melty metal hand in Terminator 2. Nice. And, you know, and when Linda Hamilton rattled the chain link fence at a playground as a nuclear bomb went off in the distance, burning her to a cinder. You know, and I blubbered like a little baby when Arnie lowered himself into the, the molten metal at the end. I, I loved the thrill of being scared. I think... Some people either like that feeling or absolutely hate it. I know, for example, Callum doesn't like going to see horror films in the cinema because it's not something he enjoys. I think Brian's of a similar disposition, doesn't enjoy them. That's fine. I think I learned that evening. I did quite like the idea of being scared um, and the thrill that came with it. And um, Terminator 2, I think actually, though, seeing it that young was a big mistake because it haunted my nightmares for long afterwards but i can still vividly remember you know i've still got this this memory of lying on the bed watching this tiny little white tv with cyborgs blowing the shit out of each other on it and i can remember the feeling of being scared witless by it you know i was in there on my own at seven years old crying my eyes out at how scary this film was but kept watching and i can i can only think of one other film that is that is properly scared me like properly scared me since then but i will come on to that when it's my go next so yeah terminator 2 was the the first film i can remember properly scaring me cool Cool. i think there's going to be a lot of misty-eyed romanticism about Mm. uh when we were scared as kids tonight but brooker what have you got for us your number three so when i was a kid (laughs) (laughs) did you know Uh, owen's uncle Sorry, <laughs> I did. <laughs> so uh, I don't know which one to talk about first. They've all got, you know, got a slightly dodgy stories for each of them, I suppose. So I tell you what, I'll go with one that that we uh, were talking about. Because the thing is, do you remember when we started talking about this on Twitter last week, and everyone was going, "Oh, you know, first horror, first eighteen-rated film I saw in the cinema was X, Y, and Z." And I was like, "I haven't got any of those," because. Mm. You know, when I was actually old enough to go to see these films at the cinema, you know, horror films were Scream. You know, mm. they weren't really scary. So, How, how old are you now, Brooker? 34, almost. How old are you, Owen? 
Uh, thirty. Okay, so I'll just 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 for context and time mm-hmm. scale. Okay. So you know, how old are you, Paul? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> he is your uncle. <laughs> yeah, I'm his cousin. <laughs> so I think the first one for I mean, so most of my horror films were that were done at home. I think for the most part, especially when I was younger. But I mean, this one was insane, and this and at least one other film on my list. My mum should absolutely have had social services called on her for letting me watch it. Uh, I don't know how old I was. I was still living in London, so I couldn't have been more than 13 years old. And I saw the original Omen on TV. (laughs) And I've never watched it since. I mean, you talk about really enjoying... You talk about really enjoying being scared. That fucking thing terrified the life out of me. To this day, I still have nightmares about that fucking pane of glass. I it just Just locks his head off. Yeah, it absolutely annihilated me. I just I didn't know what to do with myself after I saw that film. Hmm. It I I don't think there's any other film that's actually really affected me as bad as that one did. I would love to be able to sit and watch it and its sequels and know, you know, see if it's any good. I just, I'm genuinely too scared to watch it again. I and you know, we're talking probably 20 years later. I still don't want to watch the fucking thing. I've not even watched the remake because, well, apart from that, it'll be shit. I've not watched the remake <laughs> because I just don't want anything to do with that particular film. And you Have had, you a, seen you any had of Gregory the Peck as well, didn't you? You had a proper Hollywood A-list. Cast yeah, member. I, I mean, mean that guy to be honest, legend. I didn't know who Gregory Peck was when I was there. <laughs> but yeah, no, the, the you know, it is a, it is a, a really good cast, a really good, you know, writing team, a really good director. It's a really, I from what I remember, it was a good film, but it just it scared the living daylights out of me. I just and I I genuinely and I don't you know I don't say this just to be you know a bit dramatic. I genuinely I can't bring myself to watch it. Hmm. Never again. I'll never watch it. You know, not not until the day I die. It's all for you, Brooker. It's all <laughs> for you. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> it's honestly, it it's so close to making my list. It was such that is a fantastic choice. Um, well, my number three is a film called Them, um, which oh. is a oh, French yeah. film from two thousand six. Um. Uh, it's kind of a co-production between French and Romania. And as soon as you say that, anything set in Eastern Europe instantly adds and ratchets up the kind of the horror and, and, and the scares. And it's a, it's a really simple story about a, a, a couple who um, move to Romania. She's a French teacher. I think he's I can't remember, a writer, I think he is. And they have this barn of a place outside Bucharest. And... They hear noises outside and things kind of escalate out of all control. And it says at the start that it's based on true events. But I, I looked it up and it actually is. But it, it wasn't no. Romania, it was the Czech Republic. Really? Yeah. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. The thing about this is it's one of it's it could happen. And that's what makes it absolutely fucking terrifying that these kind of street urchin kids who almost live in a sewer could attack your house, attack you. And I just thought, I, it really, it blows my mind. And 
they did remake it, didn't they? It was um, The Strangers mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Liv Tyler. Yeah. And even that is actually quite effective and pretty scary. But yeah, the, the original... I think I saw The Strangers first, actually. And it, that, that was a decent film. It was a decent, yeah. uh, decent scare, that movie. I quite liked it. And it's, there's no, I mean, there's not really any blood and gore. It's all about the atmosphere. It's all about, you know, things you see in the background. There's, you know, a hooded person in shadow. And I just find it terrifying to think that this could actually happen. You could be in your house and, and rat children could invade it and you could end up running for your life. Mm. Um, and if you haven't seen it, yeah, definitely definitely recommended Owen what's your number two uh so I've talked about this so many times on the podcast that I even actually I remember I roped in Steve Matt and Brooker into doing a film commentary on it last year uh Blair Witch Project is my second choice I guess it's a um, a little bit more traditional in terms of the type of film you might expect to see on a list like this because it's a you know it's a proper horror film, um, the kind of film you'd hope to be terrified by if you were to watch it, I suppose. Um, and it, it is one of these films that I can I can see the flaws in certain aspects of it, but mostly, I genuinely do think it's a genre masterpiece. And people, you know, people can produce other older indie found footage, mockumentary type films that preceded it, like, you know, Incident in Lake County or Man Bites Dog or, you know, all these things. They're fine movies on their own. It's it's great. They've got the concept before Blair Witch. Well done them. But the fact of the matter is Blair Witch was a phenomenon for a, a reason. And it 100 percent hand on heart terrified me the first time I saw it on a grainy pirated VHS that a schoolmate brought round one evening and we watched well into the night and the ending to it I think is I mean the atmosphere got to me as well I was hooked from the first second it was on um, but the the ending I just felt ill after seeing it I, I can I can remember just feeling physically sick at how scary I thought it was I can't I can't remember an actual horror film scaring me as much as The Blair Witch did. It was so effective. So effective. Um, in fact, I watched it about a decade later. I watched it again. Maybe maybe not a decade, probably less than that. I watched it again for the first time after after this, this one time and it scared me to death. A bit like Brooker. Didn't want to watch it again because of how scary it was. But I couldn't really remember anything about it. All I could remember was that it was it made me feel scared. And I watched it again. And I was appreciating it a bit more, thinking, "Oh yeah, yeah, I can see what the you know this is. This is quite a good film actually. It's not just about being scary. Holy fucking hell! This ending. The film. Oh my god, I'm scared to death again. It was like it was a film that scared me twice. It was that good. And I know both of you different opinions about the film. To me, that's fine. You know, film subjective. Blah blah blah. But I I love it. I still love it. And it's not even down to nostalgia. I showed my youngest brother the film a couple of years back when he was uh, 16, I think. We did. He came over for Halloween, stayed at our place, had a few beers, watched... Yes, he was 16. I gave him some beers. Go fuck yourself. But it was like we watched uh, loads of horror films on Halloween. We watched a marathon of them. And we, I think we started... I can't remember what we started with. It was like something funny. 
Tucker and Dale versus Evil or something. You know, the kind of horror comedy that's good to just have a, a beer or two whilst watching and have a laugh and catch up and it doesn't matter if you miss something. Then we watched um, The Blair Witch Project and Paranormal Activity and he'd, he hadn't seen either of those films before. And after the second one, he just turned to me and said, can we just not have any more of these films? I just can't watch any more of them because it's it's that traumatic that even like now it's still effective. It still scares people who, you know, my brother's a, a proper millennial. He's grown up with technology all his life. He's never not known having the Internet. And yet something set just before this this period, this time still had this effect on him. It was still good enough to sucker him in. It's weird that you watched it on um, on VHS on a pirate copy because I also watched it on a pirate copy. But I remember at the time, um, Creative Labs released a DVD player that you could put into your PC that you could actually afford. And it came with these five speakers, which had this new WYSI 5.1 sound. Um, and I was working in the city at the time, and there was a... Um, at lunchtime, we used to go across to Chinatown, and there was the there was a hooky DVD shop. <laughs> it was a chi- it was like a, a shop that sold like Chinese cookware. But if you, I don't know how I found out about it. But if you ask the guy, he whipped up on the counter like a catalogue of DVD films you could buy, <laughs> uh-huh. and they were like they were like five pounds each. But at the time, you remember DVDs were really expensive. DVD players were insanely expensive, and uh, yep. I remember that was one of the first ones setting up all this equipment in my lounge, plugging this, screwing this fucking DVD player into a computer, hooking it up to the telly and watching this film. And it absolutely shit the life out of me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's just, it was just so effective. You weren't so um, affected by it though, were you, Brooker, when you saw it? No. It was because you were a bit older maybe? or uh, When did it come out? Was it 97? 99, I think, maybe. 99. So I would have been about 17. Mm. Uh, I just... I, It done nothing for me. Mm. Mm. I, I think I'm pretty sure I hated it when I watched it, but not because it was crap. I hated it because I'd gone to see it after weeks of people going, oh, it's the scariest movie ever. <laughs> it, yeah. mm-hmm. Even if it doesn't scare you when you watch it, two days later it'll... It will be on your mind and it will scare you. The, the 99, uh, 15, 16 years ago, and it still hasn't come back to haunt me yet. <laughs> uh, I was I was talking to Elisa, my wife, earlier about it. I was trying to think of these films that I could put on the list, and she 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 reminded me how the first time she watched Blair Witch, she basically blanked it from her memory. She thought, it, you know, her brain literally did a, a thing where it was like, nope, this is too scary. Not going to remember any of this. Gone. Blank. That's a, a black period in her history now. So when she went, watched it again, she knew that she'd seen it again, but couldn't remember anything about it. It was like completely <laughs> proper traumatized her to the point she wasn't even going to remember it. And then, of course, it had the same effect to it. Just get this living shit out of her again. So I just think it's just it's a great. It's bizarre. I've never. Mm-hmm. I've never gone into a horror movie and not been scared at all, apart from, you know, the forest. But so many people adore this mm-hmm. film and so many people have been scared shitless by this movie. One of the guys on Twitter when I asked this evening, because to be honest, I, I, the work's been fucking mental and I had super camp <laughs> and stuff. I, I, I was literally putting my list together for this, you know, on my phone on the way home from a family thing. Uh, so I, I just 
for ideas, I asked on Twitter, and one of the guys said, you know, instantly is one serious answer was the Blair Witch Project. I, I just don't get it. I, <laughs> I've never been so confused over a film. You know, I just literally that is to, to horror what life on the road is to comedy. <laughs> Ouch. Um, Brooker, what's your number two on this? So next in my list of films that I shouldn't have been allowed to watch when I did. Uh, this was my... I, I remember spending a weekend at my aunt's place. Uh, this was... I would have been younger than when I saw The Omen as well. It was not long after my old man died, so I must have been nine or ten. And my I, fuck knows what was going on in this woman's head when she asked my mum if it was okay if I watched it. And then fuck knows what was going on in my mum's head when she said yes was <laughs> when I sat and watched Aliens. Now, in the complete opposite of what The Omen did to me, obviously, I've said it before, Aliens is one of my favourite films of all time. I just adore it. But this fucking film, and I couldn't have been more than 10, the opening 15 minutes scared the living shit out of me. The thing with the dreaming about the alien coming out of her and the cat and all that shit just annihilated me. But somehow, I still sat and watched this thing and didn't become a serial killer from the amount of <laughs> blood I watched. But, you know, so you know, I sat through this thing and it, what what made me put this film on my list was it was the first film I remember where I purposefully slept with the lights on that night. I was genuinely scared to turn the light off when I went to bed that night. Absolutely petrified that something was going to come out at me. Uh, and I've had similar experiences around about the same age as well with uh, Predator actually done something similar. Uh, more more, more right, Predator 2 because mm -hmm. I live in a concrete jungle and it looked an awful lot like the apartment buildings in Predator 2 <laughs> and you know fucking shitty city pigeons making stupid noises outside your window I literally it would scare the crap out of me and I thought the Predator was outside but you know the aliens the first one I, I genuinely remember going fuck me I don't want to turn the lights off I remember being so scared that I didn't want to turn the light off and I remember waking up in the middle of the night and my aunt had come in and turned the light off because I'd clearly fallen asleep. And I woke up and it was dark and I shut myself and turned the lights straight back on and went back to sleep. I didn't want the lights off at all. And that lasted for about a week. But, you know, it didn't fuck me over like The Omen did. Like I say, it's one of my favorite films <laughs> of all time. Yeah. You know, and I would gladly sit and watch it. I won't be showing it to Nikita until she's fucking old enough, 10 years old. What the fuck were my family thinking? <laughs> but, you know... It, I really like it. It's a great film, and it's not even a horror, which is the weirdest thing about it. You know? Oh, yeah. it is. It is a horror film, as far as I'm concerned. Same it's as not... Alien's a horror film. Alien's, See, Alien's a haunted a... house film. Yeah, Alien is a haunted house film. It's a, it's a claustrophobic haunted house. It's, it's a ghost film. It's a That's Alien. Aliens, not so much. It's, it's James Cameron making a Vietnam War movie when he wasn't allowed to make a Vietnam War movie. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, I, I don't... Now, Alien still makes me jump. Alien still has me on the edge of my seat. Alien 3 kind of does a little bit as well. Aliens, no. Nothing about Aliens scares me. I watch it like a fucking war film. 
I, I oh, genuinely don't consider it a horror. The blips on those little scanners with the blip, 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 you see the little dots appear. That mm-hmm. scared me. When that came yeah. out, that terrified me. Yeah, well, see, that added to it as well. That that, But that was all tension, wasn't it? Mm. And and I think this was probably the first time that I'd ever watched something that made me that tense. And I just, I maybe I just didn't know how to deal with it at, at 10 years old. But, you know, puckered up butt cheeks, absolutely shitting myself watching this film. But like I say now, even the blips, they don't they don't make me tense. I just I enjoy it as as if I was watching Full Metal Jacket. Well, talking of tension and ramping up, my number two is um a Spanish film um called Sleep Tight. Mientras Duemas. Have you have either of you seen it? Yeah man. Oh. Oh, I, no, I haven't even heard of it. Sleep okay. tight. Um, it's well, I'll give you the synopsis then. It's about uh, an apartment complex, the concierge there, um, a guy called uh, Cesar, who effectively he's a right miserable bastard, and he wants all of the tenants in this block to be as miserable as he is, and he, he messes with them in various ways. But one woman in particular, he takes it to extreme levels in that he hides under her bed every night, chloroforms her, and then messes with her. And just the thought of this fucking guy hiding under your bed wow. is utterly it is, terrifying. It, oh, you it's so horrible. Up? I have. It's fucking horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. That's the word. It is fucking horrible. And you I've can't forgotten really go all into... about that film. <laughs> you don't want to spoil it either, do you? Because the end? Oh, no. my God. No, 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 no. I mean, mate, you got to watch it. It's mm. awful. But awful. Awesome. The, yeah. The, the, just And there is there's some proper gory horror, horror elements in it as well towards the end. But, um, yeah, I, I honestly, I know it's really short, but I don't want to spoil it because a lot of people won't have seen this one. The idea of a guy hiding under your bed who fucking chloroforms you every single night and then messes with your life sounds sounds scary. Then absolutely you should uh, watch this one. It sounds oh, a bit it... like The Resident, was that it? With uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and uh, Hil- Hilary Swank, was it, who was in that? Hammer Horror thing. Yeah, yeah. The Resurrected Hara- Hammer Horror film. You never saw it? No, no I kind of wanted it. to. More, more because it was Hammer and I was curious than because it looked like a horror film. Yeah, it wasn't really as disturbing as it could have been, but it's a similar kind of premise, I think. Well, Sleep Tights on the guy, if you, it, he, he, the director made Wreck and Wreck 2. Oh, okay. So that right. tells you, you know, mm-hmm. pretty much all you need to know about it, really. Mm-hmm. If you were wondering. I think that'll be a good enough recommendation for a lot of people out there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Go on then, Owen. What's your number one? Um, well, I, I struggled for a third one because I, as I mentioned, there were two films that genuinely scared me at different points in my life. And those are the two. And I think I've spent the rest of my adult life searching for other films to do the same thing to me. Um, so I thought I could pick something like, um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because, you know, granddad finger scene really fucking creeped me out. Um, paranormal yeah, activity, as I've mentioned. My me once, and that frightened the living shit out of it, me. It uh, stays with you, doesn't it? It's, um, it does. Yeah. 
uh-huh. the old man knuckles that get you. <laughs> <laughs> Three knuckles uh, deep, you know you're in trouble. Just if if they just cut their nails, I mean. Anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> when you see them cleaning their nails on their teeth afterwards, you go, oh, oh Brooker. Too far, man. Too far. Oh. So, uh, I was trying to like rack my brains for other films that have, have scared me when I was um, younger, playing on the whole nostalgia thing. You know, I watched films with mates that kind of scared me, as you do when you try to find these sort of films. You know, Witchboard. Uh, Child's Play, Return of the Living Dead, Cube, all these like B-movie horrors that um, had some impact on me and, and and kind of did frighten me when I saw them with mates quite late at night. But I think what actually happened, there was a point in my life where as much as I love horror films, I think I've professed my love for horror like more than any, any other genre since we've been doing Foul Critics. Um when I met Elisa, she was not into horror films at all. I think she saw um, House on Haunted Hill, which ruined horror films for her forever because she found it too scary, apparently. Now is it. She wasn't going to watch Dark any of this. One. Um, the uh, the The more recent... Yeah, yeah, 1990s one. Yeah. Um, so, basically, for around three years, I think, I barely watched any horror movies at all and when i did they were things like i don't know final destination mm, or, ghost shit. yeah or, or stuff like i know what you did last summer you know those kind of films yeah. that just aren't scary and there's, they're more about the comedy than they are about anything else right so um basically yeah i struggled to, to, to think of a third one but during that three years or maybe even a little a bit longer than that, um, I went back to trying to watch horror films. And when we moved to Oxford, Elisa got a job, she was working weekends. There was a period between um, the Christmas holidays, really. It was over the Christmas holidays. She was working during the bit between Boxing Day and New Year's Eve. Um, I went to meet her in town one day and I thought, oh, I've got time to kill. I'm going to go to the cinema. First f- first film I ever saw on my own in the cinema was I Am Legend. And it freaked me out. Mm. Right. You know what? My 15-year-old son, I showed him this. Well, he's 15 now, but I don't know what year it came out. But to this day, he is fucking terrified of that film. Absolutely terrified. Yeah. I mean, I'd read the book. I knew the book. It's been a while since I'd read it, but the book is brilliant. The book is a really proper um, psychological, uh, you know, paranoid sci-fi, right? The film with Will Smith is not as much, but it's just, I think, because I've become sensitised to them rather than desensitised to them. You know, I'd lost all this desensitisation to horror films. And going in to see that on my own in the cinema with... It wasn't packed. It was pretty empty. It it fucking frightened the living daylights out of me. And um, it's not a great film. I've seen it again since. It's okay. You know, Will Smith's pretty good. The ending's stupid. Um, there are bits at the beginning that are quite quite fun. But mostly it's a, oh no, the poor dog sort of film. Um, 
and some weird vampire monster things. And I can't explain what it was that, that made me feel that way. I think literally the only thing that it can be is this lack of um, defence. I'd lost the, I don't know what you'd call it, firewall. <laughs> there was nothing that was stopping all the scary shit getting to me anymore. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So I'm glad it wasn't just me then, if your son also had the same reaction, Paul. Yeah, no, honestly, genuinely terrified of it. Absolutely yeah. terrified. He won't watch it. Mm. I know a lot of people that have said similar about I Am Legend. Mm. Uh, I know a lot of people that have been, you know, maybe not horror movie scared, but like freaked out by it. The, I mean, the concept of it is pretty frightening, right? Post-apocalyptic, the world has ended, um, and this man has lost everything, and if he doesn't start a cure, he's going to be eaten by the people he used to know, sort of thing, right? So that's... that's It, it is a terrifying concept. It's the basis of almost every post-apocalyptic or zombie drama or thriller or horror or whatever you want to categorise them as. Um... But at the same time, it's not a really particularly scary production. Um, mm, I don't know, it is. That stuff where, where they're in the dark and stuff, it, it is quite tense and quite scary. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, well, I've watched so many horror films since maybe I've just built up this resistance again. But yeah, it, well, maybe, I mean, maybe it is. I know it's a good film and I'm wrong. But yeah, I don't know what it was. I just don't know what it was. But it just, um, I left the cinema walking a bit quicker in the dark to try to to get to the, the shop where elisa was working that evening cool brooker go on what's your number one fella so i i think i struggled a little bit with this as well uh so i i tell you what right so imagine we're talking 2013 with early summer mm -hmm. 2013 my myth is actually she's she's due in a couple of weeks uh and we're literally like our day-to-day -day conversations are, we need to get rid of our unlimited cards. Will we be able to get to stretch to Iron Man three before Little and is born? These are the kind of conversations <laughs> we have. We're kind of avoiding most things that you know that might be offensive in any kind. We're just sitting watching light, fluffy shit, and we, you know, I, I happen to get my hands on tickets to the premiere of the Evil Dead remake. So. Yeah. So the mm -hmm. thing is, right? So the Evil Dead remake. Uh, I've said before, I I adore the Evil Dead remake. It's one of the few horror remakes behind maybe Halloween that I absolutely love. And I know I'm in a minority with with those films. That's fine. But the thing with the Evil Dead was I went into it re with really really low expectations. I, you know, we both did. We both loved the original. Uh, well, we both loved the original trilogy. Great films, fun films. This doesn't look like it's going to be fun, and it wasn't. As we, you know, as we now know, it's not. There's no fun to be had with this film at all. It's not, it's not like Army of Darkness. It's not tongue in cheek. Mm -hmm. It's not comedic. It's a proper 100% horror film, and it blew me away. But the, there was this one part in it that sticks with me, and a bit like when I woke up watching after watching Aliens and wanting to turn the light on because I was still scared of it being dark. This thing, if I have a bad night and I wake up in the middle of the night and it's pitch black in my house, this is the thing that comes to mind every time. <laughs> right? And it still scares the life out of me to this day, is the deadite coming up out of the mud. Mm -hmm. in this, it jumped out of my skin. 
I look like such a fucking pussy as I've done it in front of all these people there. <laughs> the film. I shat a brick. I literally, if I had a little bit less control over myself, I'd have yelped like a little fucking girl. I, I absolutely scared the life out of me. And the miss is here. She's sitting there, you know, the entire way down. She's going, if this is too much, I'm just going to wait outside because, you know, we're pregnant. And we're, okay, don't worry. But I want to watch this film. So if you get scared and you, you wait outside, I'll be out when it finishes. Fuck you. <laughs> I wanted to leave or she did. I shatter brick. <laughs> I didn't leave. I, like I say, I finished and I, I absolutely adore this film. But fuck me. You know, the entire film is actually really scary, I think. It's one of the better horrors of the last, say, five years for me. I really, really like it. But that one bit... Have you guys seen this, the remake of this film? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So the bit after tree rape and car in the mud and this thing just... And now when you watch it, you can see the shape of this, this woman in the mud before she appears. I know she's there. Still jump and hold on to the ceiling when it happens. Every time without fail, it scares the living crap out of me. Cool. I'm actually shocked that none of us have managed to actually pick the same films. Hmm. Um, and my number yeah, one I think it's the is... Like, when we talk about with the comedy and that, isn't it? It's, what scares you is completely different depending on who you are. Well, that's it. That's it. I mean, yeah. we were... Um... We could have done scariest films, you know, the films we thought are the scariest. But it, it, that just generates this idea or this notion that we're just going to talk about horror films. I mean, it's just going to be films that we think are going to scare other people. This the film. This is about the films that have frightened us. And it's a very personal triple bill. The films that we've chosen are very... Um, we've, well, we've, as we found, we've all got stories attached to them, right? It's anecdotal reasons for them being scary to us yeah so i think it's um shall i shall i do my number one yes go on all the way back in 1983 i would guess um my mum was was babysitting for her uh, rich friend and they had a betamax machine <laughs> this was a magical device and uh, i literally i'd never even seen one before and they had a few tapes. And I said, Mum, 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 can I watch a film? Can I watch a film? She went, yeah, of course you can, of course you can. So I got one of these tapes, put it in, pressed play, and up popped John Carpenter's The Thing. Poor fucking hell. <laughs> this was the first film I ever saw on tape. Um, and I didn't know what I was watching. I was 13 at the time. And bearing in mind, my previous horror experience was like maybe a couple of like hammer horror things late on ITV, <laughs> like the house that bled to death with Joan Collins. I mean, it was nothing. I was fucking traumatized <laughs> for weeks. I'm not even I'm not even kidding. It, to this day, it is the most terrifying moment in my entire life. I will never, ever forget seeing that film for the first time on that tape around my mum's friend's house in 1983. <laughs> it was just <laughs> horrendous. The, the the creature work, the music, just the whole thing. Because as soon as you set something in the snow, 
I'm instantly interested anyway. <laughs> and it was such a clever, clever film. The whole thing just pulled together brilliantly. And I mean, I know everyone knows it. I know it's, you know, people say, oh, it's the best horror film of all time and all this kind of stuff. But being there at that time as a, as a kid and seeing that on tape for the first time totally blew me away and, and just changed everything for me, the way I viewed films, my expectations. And I, I you know, I'll never, ever recreate that, that feeling again. I mean, I know you've both seen it and I know you're both huge, huge, huge fans. But can yeah, you man. remember when you first saw it? Uh... Yeah, I probably would have been about the same age. It wasn't 1983. I was one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I reckon I probably would have been about 12, 13. And you, even with, even before you get to the creature bits, the, the horror stuff, it doesn't seem that bad until this fucking creature appears. Mm-hmm. And Ugh. man. Because until then, it's just a dog, isn't it? Well, yeah. it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be <laughs> quite as scary as it ends up being. It's a spectacular film, and yeah, that's a fucking great pick, man. The bit mm. that gets me every time, and the most tense, probably one of the most tense scenes in cinema history, is the hot wire. In the blood. Mm. And the <laughs> blood. Yeah. I could watch that on repeat forever, because it is just amazing. It's so, Whoever thought of that, how clever is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, to create that much tension, and when you hear that... <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> it's the hands through the skin. It's the hands through the chest as well, isn't it? I yep. mean, all of the all the the effects that they used to create that scene. I think they melted plastic and bubblegum to create the weird stringy um, effects. Was that in Stranger Things? Did they mention that in Stranger Things quite recently? The Netflix show where they were talking about. Uh, that. I think but they anyway, might have done yeah, yeah. They got the poster I, in the background, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. Um, I I can't remember when I first saw it. I, I genuinely can't remember. Um, but I've seen it loads of times. You know, it's quite a good film to just stick on, isn't it? Yeah, I know it absolutely. And I, I was kind of looking up on on uh, on Wikipedia just just to see, you know, monetary wise and stuff. But it didn't really do that well. Because mm-hmm. you had e- E.T. and Blade Runner came out at exactly the same time. Fucking hell. And, but E.T. was considered like the feel-good alien film and, and Blade Runner the, the kind of cerebral sci-fi mm-hmm. film. And this was kind of fell by the way by the wayside. And But, you know, history of those three, this is the one I'd watch over the other two any day of the week. There's... Oh, um, Blade Runner... Yes. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I, I definitely maybe. take that and Blade Runner constantly in a double bill. Fuck ET. I don't care about ET. But yeah, he's a you know, Blade, Blade Runner and the <laughs> Yeah. He, he touches children. Should we have some of these <laughs> recommendations that we got from uh, Twitter, our Twitter followers? Yes, please, because you've got all these, Owen, so you can rattle these off. Okay, we'll get through them uh, quite quickly, I think. We had uh, Creep was suggested by Catherine, Lady KK, uh, your other half, Paul, who... Apparently so. <laughs> yeah. What's in the going she... on? she is. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah, creep. Uh, she said, as getting that last tube alone is always daunting. This confused me slightly until I looked it up and realised she didn't mean creep as in the thing with Mark Duplass, but a film from 
a few years back. The thing that came out the same year as like Midnight Meat Train. Yeah. <laughs> I quite I've like seen that. that. It is truly terrifying that Creep film. If you, especially yeah. if you lived in London. I bet. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had uh, Liam, obviously, been on the podcast a few times. He said, uh, though not, uh, though obviously not a scary film, True Grit made me terrified of snakes. I think there are a lot of films like that. Arachnophobia, of course, is uh, quite a good one. Anaconda, maybe, make you scared of snakes and stuff. Anaconda um, made me scared of Jennifer Lopez films. <laughs> yeah, no more iced tea for you. No. Um, we had uh, Thomas at Simi41, also mentioned The Blair Witch Project, so it's up there. And The Ring, none of us mentioned The Ring. J-Horror, did it scare any of us? Uh Creepy. Mm. J Horror is really creepy. I'm, I'm rewatching them. The girls with the black hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm I'm rewatching them at the moment, and they're they're not scary, but they are 100% creepy. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, Kevin White uh, at We Call Moan Drink. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Weak lemon drink. Weak lemon drink. Bloody hell! Yeah, uh, I've, I've done, I've done the exact same thing late. when he had me and Paul talking about. Uh, we the capitalize your trilogy. Twitter names, people. Cap- use capitals so I know where to break. Right. <laughs> uh, he said the lift scene from the eye. Still feel feel nervous going more than a couple of floors at a time. Even yeah, though that was, that was pretty. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm guessing you didn't see the Omen too, Brooker. But no, there's quite I did a cool not. lift scene in that as well. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Paul. No. The guy gets chopped in half by oh, the cable. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, the thing falls off mm. the top of the church. Yeah. Uh, yep. No. No? Um, the, there's an elevator. That oh, he's in. yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. 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 He gets yep. chopped yep. in two. Yep. Um, we had uh, Mohammed Kasim at Virtual X one He said he can use capitals in his, his Twitter handle. I mean, come on. He said, it, Conjuring it, 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 1 and... Count, he has to. Yeah. Oh, I see. Conjuring one and two, Sinister and the Babadook. Marta was okay as well. Quite mo- more modern horrors there. And Conjuring particularly... right for that list, I think. Conjuring was was decent. Uh, yeah. And ghost stories tend to really not really get me that much, but Conjuring was decent. I thought I've not seen. Yeah, I like I like the second one. The second one was good. The like... Enfield haunted. I'm I'm quite a fan actually. I quite like James Wan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's got a lot going for him. Mm-hmm. He said, I also liked The Exorcism of Emily Rose. That's um, creepy, man. I liked The Exorcism of Emily Rose. So did I, yeah. We didn't yeah, really I choose any well. exorcism films, did we? I mean, uh, the possession sort of genre of horror. Usually they're the ones that freak out. I guess because we're not religious, though, really. No. I think if you're religious, those things are very uh, scary for you. If you're brought up in a re- with a religious background, um, perhaps that might explain it. Um, we had, I'm sure we had more than this. Where have all my things gone? Well, I had quite a few in as well, um, which mm-hmm. I'm just trying to bring up now. You keep, keep talking. I'll find them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's happened to my, my list. I had <laughs> okay. Some... Well, I've got, uh, Jonathan Sothcott has gone with the Babadook. Uh, oh. mm-hmm. Liam, uh, Elmore, LTM has gone for mm-hmm. Omen and Hellraiser. Uh, Steve, upper tier Steve, Steve Fisher, he's gone mm-hmm. for a nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, hang on, no. Uh, Graham Needham has gone for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 
the devil inside and the thing. Yeah. Chris Waters, Clapham Grand on Twitter, he's gone for Eden Lake, Wolf Creek, and the Blair Witch Project. Oh, yeah. Uh, another good Paul Ashby's gone for Event Horizon. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's a good James, one. James, second suitor on Twitter. Yeah, he's gone for the orphanage. Uh, Sandy one one eight one one eight. That's a great Twitter oh, name. I've <laughs> uh, gone for whatever happened to Baby Jane, Fatal Attraction, and oh, yeah. Jagged Edge. What the fuck? It's a weird okay. Um, yep. And the official Paul H, I don't know who that is, he's gone for Carver, which I did watch on the back of his recommendation. Yeah, I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> hmm. Duncan Willis has gone for The Shining. That's a good shout, that is, isn't it? It yeah, almost man. made my list. It's just that I think the first time that I saw it, I the, the okay, one of the big scary bits of The Shining is the old woman in the bathroom, yeah. isn't it? Uh, that just made me laugh when I saw it. But I was uh, an idiotic little teenager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I've got one more here. So a cheeky little minx called Maya Brooker. She's gone for mm. Pet Cemetery. Oh, right. <laughs> the the story behind this is awesome. <laughs> Go on then. Go on. Right. You guys have seen Pet Cemetery, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Right. So we managed to sit through the entire film. And, you know, the, the zombie cats, zombie babies, everything is all good. And we get to the finale mm-hmm. with Gage under the bed and the scalpel, taking the bit to, that I know made Paul close his eyes, because I know you don't like the Achilles bit either, mate. Can't stand but it. Him, him taking the scalpel to wash his face as Achilles tendon. Oh. That, she went, yeah, turn it off. Just turn it off. <laughs> it's, it's 10 minutes from the end. No, fuck you, turn it off. Come on, you've got through all this. Turn it off. I'm leaving. Turn it off. All right. You know, she's never seen yeah. the end of Pet Cemetery. You have to watch to the end of horror films to get the closure. Even if the closure is that the world has gone to shit and everyone's dead, it's oh, yeah. it's an end to the narrative. Otherwise, you just cut it off halfway through, and you'll just be. Otherwise, you're left with the memory suspended. of dude yeah. having his Achilles cut with a scalpel. It. I have recorded because both one and two are currently on sky horror so i recorded mm. them both and i'm hoping she'll sit and watch them with me because we're on a bit of a horror kick at the moment obviously uh, oh, so she's uh, been called a cheeky little minx on a podcast <laughs> yeah she's called out in public for not watching pet cemetery so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> guys we need to wrap we, this up no, we are running did... so long i know i just want one more because Go i had quite on. an interesting chat with um at benji box on um on Twitter, who's from the... sounds like, that sounds like one of those <laughs> no. porn bots that followed you, mate. <laughs> uh, I mean, he could be one of those as well, but he's um from the Sudden Double Deep podcast, which is pretty good. I recommend you check Double it out. D podcast. Sudden Double Deep. It's even worse, Paul. Double that deep. is definitely a fucking yep. porn bot. Mm. That's a this... DP pod. You know what DP means, don't you, Owen? Uh, yes. Okay, just check him. Yeah, I don't have to say it, do you're, I? You're a nice boy from Oxfordshire. You don't, you know, you don't know. Yeah. You don't mix in my murky circles. No. Oh, your murky circles. <laughs> right. Um, he said, I'm not insure, entirely sure. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're not welcome in my murky circle. No, I didn't think I would be. Got a biscuit in the middle of it. <laughs> oh. 
Oh, you murky circle bleached? Is, who's that question directed to? Because it's clearly not me, is it? <laughs> it's clearly not you, no. <laughs> Brooker used uh, to page fight. He might have had to have like had his bits and pieces bleached. Had highlights done once. Does that count? Oh, mate, you had highlights I, done. Like frosted tips. On... Do you know what I did as well? <laughs> I went to this the gayest man in Isha, and he gave me charged me eighty fucking quid to put like two blonde highlights in the front of my hair. <laughs> <while I'm>... <laughs> 80 quid. And when I went back in the office, nobody fucking noticed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Sorry, Owen, you were saying? Yeah, I, was, you know, I, I have dyed my hair quite a few different colours, but I thought you were talking about dyeing something else. So Yeah, no, I'm talking about bleaching your arsehole. Yeah. Mm. That's what I was uh, yeah. Well, when, when Brooker said he's had tips put, frosted tips... Well, I wasn't expecting can... anybody at work to know. It was on my anus, and I wasn't yeah. trying it out. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you can't uh, do what I had done at lunch. God. This isn't going to be worth it now. I'm really sorry, Benji Box. But... <laughs> yeah, come on. He said, he said, I'm not entirely sure why it stood out for me, but grave encounters messed me up for a good long while afterwards. Uh, oh. That was it, really. Mm. One more. No, who was the guy who said mannequin? Put him off shop windows. Yes. That was uh, the best shout of the night. Yeah, I, I didn't see who that was because they weren't following me. I only was... One of the uh, Yeah. Apologies uh, also, whoever it was. Mm, Phil Bradbury also said, someone will obviously have already said Jaws and swimming. And Pulp Fiction's the reason I don't search through the pockets of men's jackets and snort what I may find in there. So, yeah. There we go. That's all of the recommendations that yeah, I could loads. find because my phone is playing. I know people have just got these stories they want to share or, you know, times they've been scared. Horror's a really good genre for bringing out all this interesting um, knowledge about people. It's great. I'm sure you will have a blast at Fright Fest, Brooker. I am really, all this really sort looking of thing forward to, to it. Mm. Cool. All that remains this week. And thank you for your patience, guys, for listening to this incredibly long episode. This is pushing two hours. I'm going to go with what, for me, is a kind of a Monday double bill when I'm having my supper, which which is always ballers and vice principals. And if you haven't seen either, amazing. Just for Walton Goggins alone, because I could watch him taking a shit. I really could. Because I think his screen presence is, is out of this world. He's Brooker, fucking amazing. I've loved that dude for years. Yeah, uh, so... Ooh, what should I go for? Okay, so added to Netflix last week was Creed. Yeah. I, nice. I would definitely give that a bash if you haven't seen it yet. Awesome, awesome little flick. Owen. So I picked out a Werner Herzog film last week. They seem to be showing quite a lot of them at the moment on film four. And the next one I'm going to recommend, Wednesday, quarter past two in the morning. So, you know, Tuesday evening, Wednesday morning, is uh, one of his documentaries from 1971, Land of Silence and Darkness, which is about Finney Straubinger. I think that was her name. She's a blind and deaf woman. Um... And it's about how That's the way she... you like him, fella. Uh, hey, yeah. She um, leads this group of other 
blind and deaf people and other physically disabled people in in uh, quite traumatic ways. But it's just it's really quite depressing in lots of ways and extremely uplifting in others. Proper emotional documentary. Miss Finney, she's just like a wonderful, amazing person. Um, so Land of Silence and Darkness, just uh, one of Herzog's best. Cool. Join us next week where Maureen Lippman and Alan Titchmarsh are our guests and we'll be discussing the Dildo Massacre. That's of not course. true, is it, Owen? What is next week? Uh, next week is not Steve. Steve's still away. Um, you're back, I believe, next oh, week, Oh, fuck, Paul. am I? <laughs> mm. <laughs> yes, you are. And we'll be with Tony Black as well. Excellent. We'll am I hosting again? Uh, Tony is hosting next oh, week. Oh, even better. Got Great. a night off. <laughs> yeah. It's bloody hard work, fella. I ain't doing this thing again in a hurry. Well, who says I'd let you? That's uh... <laughs> <laughs> Guys, absolute pleasure as always. Thank you, Brooker. Thank you, Owen. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Thank you very much for hosting. Good job. See you soon. Bye. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.